Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. Today we're studying the 144,000 or the sealed ones. Let's begin with prayer. Dear Jesus, Lord, help us to rightly divide the word of truth, to come to the understanding that pleases you, Lord, that helps us to prepare to be among that group. In your name we pray. Amen. We're beginning with Revelation chapter 7, verse 4. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. There are a hundred and forty-four thousand of the sealed ones. Many children of God are dying daily who have never had their attention called to this truth and are saved among the innumerable company. And I just want to add really quickly that when it says of the children of Israel, the tribes of the children of Israel, that, um, <clears throat> as you know, Paul points out that we are Abraham's seed if we are uh, the children of Jesus. And that's you and I, the Gentiles, have been brought in for Jesus even said so. Paul said so. You can look it up yourself if you have any doubts about it to follow that study. But let's just continue here. Um to Revelation 7, verse 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. I actually believe, um, well, personally, and I'm not trying to tell you what to think, but here, we just read in chapter 7 that 144,000 of the tribes of earth were sealed. And then it said, after that, he beheld a, a great multitude, which no man could number. And I believe personally that the, 140, the literal 144,000 are simply the first fruits. And that um, the all of the tribes, well, actually, everybody who's ever been sealed to salvation are part of the 144,000, but the ones who are alive at Christ's coming are the first fruits. Okay, that's what I meant to say. I'm not meant to say that just the ones that were still alive when Christ came were the 144,000. Now, <clears throat> I, I came to this after some study with Alex Ortega and thinking about this and the fact that he pointed out here that he saw 144,000 and then he looked and he saw a great multitude which we just read which no man could number and they were all the 144,000 it's a it's not a literal number it's a symbolic number but that the, um, the ones who were alive at Christ's coming were the first fruits I, I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to say anyway um, it's not a point that we should be concerned about too much I don't think not a specific thing Let's turn to uh, Ezekiel 9, 1-4. So I'm not going to try to prove it one way or the other. I just um, think it might be so. Ezekiel 9, 1-4. He cried also in mine ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, Six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand, and one man among them 
was clothed with linen and a rider's inkhorn by his side, and they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherubim, a cherub whereupon he was, to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the rider's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto them, Go through the midst of the city, to the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men, the scion that cry for all the abomination that be done in the midst thereof. So, okay, I just want to add that I might not be right about that. It's 144,000 in the first fruits and that, okay? It's just a thought that I kind of have. So as we go through this today, I'm going to try to pay attention to see if anything um, disagrees with that. And um, anyway, so he, uh, what we just read, Ezekiel 9, 1 to 4, the seal is here spoken of as a mark, which is the same as a sign, right? He said to them to set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. This is a special group of people that God has told the angel to go and mark or sign or seal. Revelation 7, 3. Oh, excuse me. Revelation 7, verse 3. Saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their forehead. The seal is placed in the forehead, the mind or seat of affections. Then Ezekiel 9, 4. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the forehead of the men, the sign that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst of this. We read that again just to um, put emphasis on it, that the seal is placed in the forehead, the mind or seat of affections. Those who have a burden of soul for others, that we just read in Ezekiel, that sighed and cried for others. For the, oh, Let's read it again. Um, set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof of the church. So I added the word church. That wasn't in the Bible, but I think that's my belief. But you could disagree with me if you wish, those who... So those who have a burden of soul for others and are grieved on account of sin will receive this mark, this sign, or this seal. Let's read in Testimonies, Volume 7, page 144. When God gave his Son to the world, he endowed human beings with imperishable riches, riches compared with which the treasured wealth of men since the world began is nothingness. Christ, he came to the earth and stood before the children of men with the hoarded love of eternity. And this is the treasure that through our connection with him we are to receive, to reveal, and to impart. Wow, the treasure, the hoarded love of eternity. With our connection with him we are to receive, reveal, and impart this love. Our institutions will give character to the work of God just according to the consecrated devotion of the workers by revealing the power of the grace of Christ to transform the life. The power of the grace of, of Christ has uh, to transform the life. It has power to transform us. Love is the only thing that can change, make anyone want to change. We are to be distinguished from the world because God has placed his seal upon us, because he manifests in us his own character of love 
Our Redeemer covers us with his righteousness. And choosing men and women for his service, God does not ask whether they possess learning or eloquence or worldly wealth. He asks, do they walk in such humility that I can teach them my way? You notice that proud people are very difficult to teach anything to. Can I put my words into their lips? Will they represent me? God can use every person just in proportion as he can put his spirit into the soul temple or his personality or his character into the soul temple. The work that he will accept is the work that reflects his image. His followers are to bear as their credentials to the world the ineffaceable characteristics of his immortal principles. Here, what we just read. Uh, just in proportion as he can put his spirit into the soul temple and his followers are to bear as their credential the ineffable characteristics of his immortal principles. That's his spirit. You notice how we, I'm not going to go far into this, just um, dip my toe in it, so to speak. Like somebody might say to you, oh, you have such a sweet spirit. And that is the ineffaceable characteristics of his immortal principles. A sweet spirit is what you carry with you. It's not another person walking by you. All right, so that's all I'm going to say on that. All right, let's see. Um, Revelation 14, verse 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the mount Zion, and with him... And hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Ooh, that's beautiful. Um, they received the name of the father. And of course, as you know, I believe from what I read in Revelation seven, that this hundred and forty-four thousand is the a number innumerable multitude no man could number that John saw. But um, I don't want to keep putting my thoughts in your head. So let me just read it as it reads. Having his father's name written in their foreheads. And uh, Exodus 34, 5 and 6. Bear with me a second. I'm going to move my page. Exodus 34, 5 and 6. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. So that's quite a name, isn't it, that has all of those meanings in it? The name of the Lord. The name of God is his character. Those who are sealed will partake of his character or his spirit. Second Timothy two nineteen.
2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. All who have the seal depart from iniquity. Revelation 14, 3 through 5. And they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women or churches, doctrines, church, women or churches or women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth, like they're a pure, pure church, God's church. These are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. Okay, the first fruits, see? Um, oh, wonderful. They are to stand without fault. They are to have no guile. They will follow the Lamb wherever he goes. I'm going to read in Testimonies, Volume 5, page 214 and 216. There are many, even among those who teach the truth to others, who will not receive the seal of God in their foreheads. They had the light of truth. They knew their Master's will. They understood every point of our faith, but they had not corresponding works. But there's something very important expressed here. We read, I think, a day or two ago that um, the seal is not a mark that can be seen, but it's a settling into the truth until you cannot be moved, that you'd rather die than sin against the Lord. And we're just reading here, there's many who teach the truth to others, they won't receive the seal of God in their foreheads. In other words, they won't get settled into the truth to where they can't be moved. Why? Because they didn't have corresponding works. They knew their master's will. They understood every point of our faith. But they had not corresponding works. They did not settle into the truth to where they could not be moved. Those who were so familiar with prophecy and the treasures of divine wisdom, they should have acted their faith. They should have commanded their households after them. You see, this is that oil that's in the lamp, the ten virgins that were waiting for the bridegroom. And they didn't have extra oil. And there was, as we know, um, a tarrying time waiting for the bridegroom. That happened in history as well. But um, they didn't have that extra oil, which was the works or the change of character. They should have commanded their households after them that by a well-ordered family, they might present to the world the influence of the truth upon the human heart. See, the truth has an influence upon the human heart if you let it into your inner um, inner room, your mind and your heart. By their lack of devotion and piety, their failure to reach a high religious standard, they make other souls connected with their con, con, other souls contented with their position. Men of finite judgment cannot see that in patterning after these men who have so often opened to them the treasures of God's word, they will surely endanger their souls. Jesus is the only 
true pattern. Everyone must now search the Bible for himself upon his knees before God with a humble, teachable heart of a child. If he would know what the Lord requires of him, however high any minister may have stood in the favor of God, if he neglects to follow out the light given him of God, if he refuses to be taught as a little child, he will go into darkness and satanic delusions and will lead others in the same path. Not one of us will ever receive the seal of God while our characters have one spot or stain upon them. <clears throat> it is left with us to remedy the defects in our characters, to cleanse the soul temple of every defilement. Then the latter rain will fall upon us as the early rain fell upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost. It's doing the preparation so the Lord can give you the latter rain or more of his spirit. Ephesians 4, verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. You see? It's the indwelling of the Spirit of God in us that, that helps us to be settled into the truth to where we cannot be moved. Without the Spirit of God, we can't change our character. We can do nothing with ourselves. But when we were justified, when we were truly justified by the blood of Jesus, when he died for us, and we believe that we have faith that we are justified, he gives us a gift of his righteous life and his sanctification, he sanctifies us, and we actually become different people. But we have to have faith in that fact, or nothing will happen to us, or in us, if we don't believe that the Lord has given us this gift. And it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed to the day of redemption. So it's by the Spirit of God that we become so settled into the truth that we cannot be changed. It's the work of the Spirit in us that brings us to that place. Wouldn't you say? Okay, Ephesians 1.13. In whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You see? We believe, we trust, we have faith. In whom he also trusted, that's faith. After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after you believed, you were sealed. After we believe, the Lord gives us of his spirit. And we become so settled into the truth that we cannot be changed. And then we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, by the spirit of the Lord. So I'm just going to read that verse and then move on. I don't want to muddy the water. In whom ye also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. See, the thing is, they pack so much information into such a tiny space in this Bible that takes some thought to rightly divide the word of truth, doesn't it? Um, the Holy Spirit places the seal... The Holy Spirit is one who settles us so into the truth. 
And we cannot be moved. We'd rather die than sin against the Lord. Revelation 14, 9 to 12. But if you believe that you're not going to quit sinning before Jesus comes, then you don't believe because it said you have to trust and believe for that to happen. It's not going to happen in you. You're not going to, your, your character isn't going to change to be like the Lord if you don't believe and trust. Believe that, that he's done that in you and go forward walking with him, right? Revelation 14, 9 to 12. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image. And whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. And we know that forever and ever means until you're until you're dead. And then that's forever and ever for you. Um okay, let's see, what are we just supposed to read through too? Oh, okay. Here is the patience okay. Uh yeah. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Yeah, we have the same faith that Jesus had, the same beliefs, the same trust in his Father. They refuse the mark of the beast in his image, don't they? These will hear the patience of the saints. We keep the commandments of God. And you know what those who receive the mark of the beast have? They don't keep the commandments of God. What's missing? The fourth commandment. And what are they doing? They're worshiping on the Sunday, the, worship, the pagan worship day. And they're worshiping Satan, although they maybe don't know it. God wants everyone to have an opportunity to be intelligent about this decision before it comes. So they will have no excuse. He, he doesn't does it so they won't have an excuse. He does it so they have an opportunity to learn. Revelation 15, 1-3 And I saw another sign in heaven. Oh, I was supposed to read Prophets and Kings, page 188. Excuse me. Today, as in the days of Elijah, the line of demarcation between God's commandment-keeping people and the worshipers of false gods is clearly drawn. How long halt ye between two opinions, Elijah cried? If the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. And the message for today is, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. God has people in those churches. He wants them to come out. For her sins have reached into heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. The time is not far distant when the test will come to every soul. The observance of the false Sabbath will be urged upon us. The contest will be between the commandments of God and the commandments of men. Those who have yielded step by step to worldly demands and conformed to worldly customs will then yield to the powers that be rather than subject themselves to derision, insult, threatened imprisonment, and death that time the gold will be separated from the dross true godliness will be clearly distinguished from the appearance and tinsel of it many a star that we have admired for its brilliance will then go out in darkness those who have assumed the ornaments of the sanctuary but are not clothed with christ's righteousness will then appear in the shame of their own 
nakedness are because they're not wearing Christ's robe of righteousness. They're trying to wear their own. Remember, the one at the wedding feast who was cast out because he was not wearing the wedding garment that was provided for him. Christ's righteousness is provided for us. And we, when we receive it and realize that he has given us his victory and that as we walk with him, he will give us victory day by day in our own lives. If we don't put that on, we're not going to, we're going to appear in our own nakedness. The shame of our own nakedness. Mm -hmm. And that's where she refers to them here as in the um, tinsel of their clothing the appearance and tinsel of it yeah if we have our own clothing it's not going to be real is it christ righteousness is what we want okay revelation 15 1 to 3 and i saw another sign in heaven great and marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues for in them is filled up the wrath of god and i saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. And this is the song of Moses and the Lamb that we just read. How great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Okay, let's see. So, this company stands on Mount Zion, triumphant over every foe. God, not man, does the numbering. Numbers 3.39. Speaking of numbering, Numbers 3.39. All that were numbered of the Levites, which Moses and Aaron numbered at the commandment of the Lord throughout their families, all the males from a month old and upward were 22,000. At Numbers 2662, excuse me, Numbers 2662, it's a long chapter. And those that were numbered of them were twenty and three thousand, all males from a month old and upward, for they were not numbered among the children of Israel, because there was no inheritance given them among the children of Israel. Oh, the, the verse before says, Nadab and Abihu died when they offered strange fire before the Lord. And so of their family, of them, they were numbered. 23,000, and they were not, there was no inheritance given them among the children of Israel. Oh, oh my. Okay. Um, Matthew 14, 21. Hmm. And they that had eaten were 5,000 men besides women and children. 
And they that did eat were 4,000 men besides women and children. Acts 19.7 And all the men were about 12. Hmm, what are they trying to tell us here? Uh, that's interesting. The way God numbers, that's interesting. Because God made Adam and Eve one, they count that count as one, right? Is that what it's saying? Um, it counted all the men besides women and children. I don't know. I can't, I'm not sure I understand that. Let's go to Ezekiel 9, 11. And behold, the man clothed with linen, which had the inkhorn by his side, reported the matter, saying, I have done as thou hast commanded me. Oh, we're supposed to look at the margin. 9-11 margin. I wonder what I'll find there. 9. Or. Uh, hmm. Wrestling of judgment. That's interesting. 9-11. Return the word. 9-11. Okay, let me read this again. And behold, the man clothed with linen, which had the inkhorn by his side, reported the matter, saying, I have done as thou hast commanded me. Or. I have done the wrestling of judgment. Oh my. Okay. So the the man with the writer's ink card did the wrestling of judgment, deciding who to put that mark on. Frightening job. When everyone who will accept the message is sealed, the angel reports that the work is finished. Ezekiel 9, 5 through 7. And to the others he said in my hearing, Go ye after him through the city and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children. And women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. And they began at the ancient men which were before the house. And he said unto them, Defile the house and fill the courts with the slain. Go forth. And they went forth and slew in the city. The judgments of God follow the sealing work. Ezekiel 9, 8, and 9. And it came to pass while they were slaying them, and I was left, that I fell upon my face and cried and said, O oh Lord God, wilt thou destroy all the residue of Israel in thy pouring out of thy fury upon Jerusalem? Um, where am I? 3, 7, 8, and 9. Okay. Then said he unto me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great, and the land is full of blood. And the city full of perverseness, for they say the Lord hath forsaken the earth, and the Lord sees us not. Boy, that's very presumptuous and brave of them, isn't it? Saying the Lord sees us not. So many that had been counted with Israel were slain that it looked as if all the people of God would be destroyed. Now, um, this is among the church or the followers of God that are being numbered and sealed. 
So, so many of the people that we thought, or the ones who around them thought were God's people, were sealed and destroyed, that it looked like, it looked like that all the people of God would be destroyed. So there was very few who were actually genuinely people of God. We want to genuinely people be people of God, don't we? We don't want to be tinsel and um, false representations, wearing our own, the shame of our own garments. We want Christ's righteousness. Let's go to Romans 9, verse 6. And it makes no sense when God offers us free, freely Christ's righteousness if we'll just receive it and believe that we have it and begin to walk in it. Romans 9, 6. Now, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Right. So everyone who makes a profession are not really Israel. Or everyone who claims to be a member of the church are not really God's people. They're not really Christians. Ezekiel 9, 6. Slay utterly, old and young, maids and little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark or seal or sign. Begin at my sanctuary. They begin at the ancient men which were before the house. Old and young stand in their own individual records. Ezekiel fourteen twenty. No one can save anyone else or be saved by anyone else's behavior. Husbands can't feel safe that their wife's spirituality is going to save them and vice versa. Ezekiel 14, 20. Though Noah and Daniel and Job were in it, or as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. No one will be shielded or saved because of father's or mother's righteousness. Only an individual experience and the things of God will save anyone. Okay, now let me just summarize here really quickly the things that we have gone over. There are 144,000 of the sealed ones. Many children of God are dying daily who've never had their attention called to this truth and are saved among the innumerable company. The seal here is spoken of as a mark, which is the same as a sign. The seal is placed on the forehead or the mind or seat of affections. Those who have a burden of soul for others and are grieved on account of sin will receive the mark or the seal. They receive the name of the Father. The name of God is his character, so they receive God's character. Those who are sealed will partake of his character. All who have the seal depart from iniquity. They are to stand without fault. They are to have no guile. <coughs> oh, sorry. He will follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. The Holy Spirit places the seal. They refuse the mark of the beast and his image. This company stands on Mount Zion, triumphant over every foe. God, not man, does the numbering. He and me can't decide who's righteous. The way God numbers is a little different than how we do. When everyone who will accept the message is sealed, the angel reports the work is finished, and the judgments of God follow. So many that have been counted with Israel were slain that it looked as if all the people of God would be destroyed. Remember, there were only eight in the ark, even though there were billions of people on the planet. So there, 
compared to how many people there are, there won't be many. But when you see them, it'll be an innumerable group through all history. God has his people. All who make a profession are not really Israel. Old and young stand on their own individual records. No one will be shielded by another or another's experience. All right, brothers and sisters, that was a very kind of a serious, thoughtful, solemn study, wasn't it? But at the same time, there's a joyful side of it, that God has provided for us everything that we need. He's done it all. Do you know, God never condemns. Jesus did not come to condemn, but to save. And <clears throat> he wants us to not be afraid to open our heart to him and to share with him every sin, every sorrow, every grief. And he will take it from us. He will take our burdens and he will give us his robe of righteousness and come to live in us if we will be let him justify us by his death and his blood. Remember Isaiah 58 that said, He that, uh, the soul that offers, let's see, he that offers my soul uh, as a sacrifice for sin, the Lord will see his seed and be satisfied. So when we offer Christ's soul for our sins, he is our sacrifice. And we believe that he accepts us and receives us. He will give us his righteousness. And it's genuinely then ours. And he will walk with us day by day, long as we stay with him and not leave his side. We have his righteousness. He's done everything for us, Lord, uh, when the Lord is so good. We don't need to be afraid by this. We need to trust and believe and have that faith that works, the faith that works by love and purifies the soul. Let's close with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, this is an exciting message that the time is coming very quickly. We are living in the closing scenes of this earth's history. Let's have, let us please have the faith and trust that we need and to not be caught with our own garments. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, brothers and sisters, God bless you today. May you just go forth and be God's witness in the world and let him listen for his voice. And remember, the health message prepares your mind to be able to hear him better. Okay, bye-bye. I'll see you in the morning. Tomorrow morning, we're going to read about the law and the gospel. Oh, the, and also the Ten Commandments in the New Testament and show where they're all found. All right, bye-bye. We'll see you in the morning.